0: everyone and welcome to today's podcast. It is Monday. Monday, February the 27th, 2023. And uh hope you guys are having a great day. Hope you had a great uh weekend. Um yeah. These are uh fun days to be a Christian. Fun days to be a child of God. Um it's really awesome what god's doing in our day so it's always good to be a child of god but just sometimes you know like right now this is uh it's an exciting time seeing what god is doing um so matthew 18 as we continue our track through the new testament if you're wondering where we are today that's where we are matthew 18 and so uh this week's readings will be uh, Matthew 18, and then tomorrow, Mark 9, and then rounding out the week in John, John 7, 8, and 9. So Matthew 18 today, Mark 9, and then 7, 8, and 9 in the Gospel of John, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah. Um, yeah, hope you guys are doing great. Um, had a good weekend. Back should be kind of a normal week this week in terms of... uh being on the podcast, Um, last week was the Asbury trip, so that kind of jostled with the schedule a little bit, but this week should be, uh, Lord willing, uh, typical Monday through Thursday. All right, let's do it, y'all. Matthew chapter 18, you know what we do, we read, we pray, we change the world, let's do it. Let's see what the Lord has to say to us today. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Interesting characteristic of Matthew is he uses the phrase kingdom of heaven more than the kingdom of God, but it's the same thing. Uh, Verse 2, he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. So the disciples are asking, Hey, who's the greatest? And Jesus, is like, looks around for a child. <laughs> and he places the child among them and he says, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes, one such child in my name welcomes me. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome, everybody who just jumped on. Uh, Jesus says a lot in just those few statements. Unless you change and become like a little child, like little children, what is he saying? I mean, children have what? They're faith filled. Ch- children trust. They're trusting. And so, if we don't have the faith of a child, if we don't have trust like a child, we're we're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. You gotta have faith. You gotta have trust. That's what um, you know. If if you let it, which I, I don't t- intend to let it, but um, if you let it, some of the people who are like, you know, feels like they they feel like they're the judge of you know this outpouring of the spirit, you know this thing that's happening, kind of started at Asbury and it's kind of sweeping through Gen Z in particular, but and people are like you know there's, there's just people who just feel like they just need to critique it and like or just condemn it I mean which is so crazy look what is there to? you have students for the most part young young the next the next a young generation who are confessing their sin openly confessing their sin repenting of sin praying to receive Christ and committing their lives to holiness what part of that doesn't sound like Jesus? Like if you can't, if you don't have the faith of a child even to see that that's the work of the spirit. Now, if you don't know, and you just want to inquire and try to figure and just see what's going on, I get that. I totally get that. Um, Nothing wrong with like wanting to gather some information for sure. But um, once you see that, You know, confession, repentance, prayer, worship, holiness, are the are the marked characteristics of the outcomes of what God is doing. What is your problem? (laughs) Like, oh, some people—it's just amazing, and they and they and it's and it's 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 draped in, in this this sort of religious superiority that is just baffling to me, but. I'm not going to let it stop me or even take away the joy of what God is doing, but in some ways it makes me sad for them. Like, wow, you you, you have boxed yourself into this religious um, capsule that the Holy Spirit isn't even allowed to get in. <laughs> I mean, I don't, man, get, get out of the capsule and get into the, pl- the play box, man. Get into the sandbox where you can play like a child. You can enjoy what God is doing. Anyway, and then he says, uh, you know the, we should take the child the position of a child. We shouldn't be like trying to get the highest place. We should try to get the lowest place verse six. If anyone causes one of these little ones, little ones uh, who those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. That says something about people who mistreat children, but it also says something about people who mistreat um, new believers and people who are genuinely trying to trust God and follow God and seek after his heart. Yeah, um, that's not, it's not going to be a happy day for you. <laughs> if, you're, if, you're tri- if you're tripping up, uh, causing uh, God's children to stumble, it's better for a millstone to be tied around your neck, thrown into the sea, than for what's coming for you. whoa you know what you know what i've discovered guys here's the thing like people people who um just can't seem to find joy in anything that god does <laughs> or they can't seem to they can't seem to enjoy and celebrate the goodness of god and and the, the the movements of god you know that are maybe outside their comfort zone generally there's a spiritual problem in them generally there's and, and more than a spiritual problem generally there's a like, a, like some jump. <laughs> It's it's there's something in it. It's more about that their posture towards their negative posture towards the move of God's is more of a state. A more, the move of God is a more a statement of their spiritual and just general condition than it is about anything else. If anyone calls, so uh, verse seven. Woe, not wow, but woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. Hmm. So he's saying, Yeah, there, you know, woe, woe to the, you know, there's so many things in the world that can cause a person to stumble, but don't be a conduit of those things. You know, well, the world, you know, I know the world's just a terrible place. Yeah, well, you don't have to contribute. <laughs> you don't have to contribute to the terribleness. You don't have to contribute to the sin. You don't have to celebrate the sin. You don't have to promote it. You don't have to partake in it. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed and crippled than to have two hands and two feet and thrown into eternal fire. Something that's calling you to sin, there's uh, some temptation that is continually tripping us up, then make, create boundaries. He's using hyperbole here. I mean, I don't think he's really wanting you necessarily go around and cut off your hand, but he's using hyperbole to make the point, right? The hand is causing you to sin, cut it off so you don't sin. There's an aspect of, you know, if, if uh, money is a temptation, put some boundaries around it. If spending is a temptation, put some boundaries around it. If, uh, whatever it is. Um. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away, it is better for you to enter the life with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into the fire of hell. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that there are but their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. That's uh that is whether it's good exegesis or not, that's where the guardian angel idea comes from. If <laughs> I tell you that there are angels in heaven, always see the face of my father in heaven. Who's angels? The little ones angels, representatives. They're guardian angels. I don't know. I don't know if that's what I don't know if that's true, but it's what it, it seems what it says. um verse 12 what do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off and if he finds it truly i tell you he is happier than he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off in the same way your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish lost uh god cares about those sons and we talked about it yesterday in bayside in the message i talked about that that that's what it means to be a good shepherd jesus is our good shepherd and so he goes after the 99 i mean he leaves the 99 and goes after the one that wanders off aren't you glad aren't you glad that he he uh he he comes after you he doesn't give up on you when you wander off because we're all prone to wander and um and we we need his loving hand to guide us back into the fold into the right standing with God verse 15. if your brother or sister sins go and point out their fault now this is the uh this is the classic text on um conflict resolution in the church or just among people right just with another person when you have a conflict with someone matthew 18 verse 15 if your brother or sister sins go and point out their fault just between the two of you so you know when uh, someone offends you does something against you that wrongs you the first that you go to go to them directly you don't go to your mama you don't go to your, you don't go to somebody else you don't go to five with their friends and tell them all to st- you go to go directly to the person Don't try triangulate other people into your into the problem. Right? Go straight to that person and don't go on Facebook. And there's so much passive aggressive stuff gets posted on Facebook. It's like, why don't you just talk to the person? Why don't you just talk to the person? You put you, you putting stuff on you putting stuff on on Facebook and everybody knows you trying you're just talking about Billy. Just go talk to Billy. Why you change why you why, you, why you doing a Yeah. Social media is the uh, the feeding ground for passive-aggressive. <laughs> I can say what I want to say to so-and-so without saying it to so-and-so, but hopefully so-and-so will read it because I wanted to say it to them, but I'm too scared, so I didn't say it to them. I just posted it, but I don't really mean it for everybody. I meant it for him. Well, why don't you just A, Why don't you just private message him or maybe meet him and talk to him? We all know it too, right? Don't you see some post like, "Ooh, somebody mad at somebody." <laughs> we all know it. <laughs> We're like, hmm, yeah, that's a that's a that's a n- not so subtle message, not so subtle jab at so and so." Um or worse, sometimes our subtle remarks are um are confusing. And we think and people take offense at it, and it really wasn't directed at them, it was directed at someone else, but it, because it was so uh, shrouded in mystery and <laughs> so passive no one's really sure who i was directed at like hmm, who was that what, you think you think he was talking about me you think she was talking about me i don't know could have been and then all the people pleasers are like yeah it was definitely me <laughs> all the all the people pleasers they're like yeah that was me <laughs> they're <Mr. laughs> they're so mad at me <laughs> it wasn't even about them but uh anyway but just go to the person. That's what the Bible's teaching us: go to the person, and just say, you know, try to solve it there. Don't escalate the problem. Just try to solve it. Try to solve it with as little uh, escalation as possible. So it doesn't always work out the way you want, though, right? If they listen to you, you've won them over. So if you, you know, it works one on one, then just case closed. You 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 you've moved on. But if they will not listen. Take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So um, if you think, you know what, um, the one-on-one conversation didn't help, it didn't really help us get anywhere, bring two or three people with you. Not to gang up on the person, but just to be a a neutral presence. To kind of honestly make sure that you know you're sticking to the issue that you're truly dealing with the issue, and you're not trying to destroy someone. You're just trying to you're keeping the issue the issue, and not uh cre- making the the par- the person the problem. Keep the problem the problem. Don't make the person the problem. So here's the problem. We have this problem. This is my problem. Um, and if they so by having two or three with you, they can be a neutral bystander and help keep peace and help bring reconciliation. If they still refuse to listen, so the uh, person who offended you, still, even with two or three people who are with you in person, not via email, so if you send them an email and you just carboned two friends, that's not the same thing. (laughs) This is talking about personal conversation in the same room at the same time. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, Okay. So now, and often this is done in the form of uh, leadership of the church doesn't necessarily mean, I just had this conversation with someone, someone was asking me about this uh just the other day and I, and this here's my opinion. Like I think the leaders of the church represent the church. So you don't have to go into front of the whole church on a Sunday morning and say, "Hey, okay, so I met with so and so, that didn't work. Two and Bob and Billy went with me, that still didn't work. So I just need you to know that uh Sam did this to me." No, you ain't got to do that. You know, that's 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 not necessary. But it does mean bring it to the leadership of the church, particularly if there's a sin going on, you know, a a you know, something that could be div- divisive or damaging to the body. Um, now I've been around the church long enough to know that like sometimes people want when they feel powerless, when people feel powerless, particularly in a relationship, like say a husband and wife situation or a dating relationship or a fiance situation. A lot of times when when the, when, when the offended quote unquote offended spouse feels powerless, like they can't get that person to do what they want to do. They will also, they'll often try to get the church to be the strong arm against that person, sort of weaponize the church against that person. And, uh, it takes wisdom as spiritual leaders, not to be caught into that trap. And nah, we're not going to be the, you know, the, the church is not going to be your, uh, your, your, uh, your vessel of punishment. Because you've been hurt, um, and so our our con- the church is there to help bring reconciliation, not to be your your object of wrath. <laughs> and so a lot of times that's the one and then they get, then people get mad. At you, well, you see, the church just condoning sin. The church didn't do anything. No, you just wanted the church to smack them. Let's be honest, that's what you wanted. You want you couldn't smack them. You you lost your power against them, uh, and maybe sadly, maybe you know, maybe you really are a, a sad situation. But you can't expect the church to be the the baseball bat. No, that's not our job. Our job is to bring reconciliation as much as we're possible between people, and between reconciliation between people and God. And to the degree that we can do that, um, we will try. Uh, But the church can't make anybody reconcile either. So here they're saying, you know, so you bring you bring it. You talk to the person directly. You bring two or three people with you. Uh, still no still no use um and and this is assuming this is assuming big assume here this is assuming that the the people okay the person that you're in conflict with is a Christian and is and is submissive and is uh submissive to the to the to the Word of God and to the teaching of scripture and to the to the Bible uh, and um and so that's the assumption up to this point so you go one on one and you both say you know what we both believe God's word i feel like this you know i feel like this is not not consistent with what god's called us to do uh they're like i don't agree with you okay can bring two or three witnesses okay yeah you know billy this is really isn't consistent with what god uh is teaching you know how can we work through re- reconciliation still i don't believe it. then you bring the leaders of the church um can you know basically is saying can you just are we reading this correctly are we doing this the right way Am, are we on the right track here. Um and so but it's assuming that everyone wants to do what pleases Jesus. But watch if if that's not the case, watch what happens. You have to sh- shift your the way you treat this con- conflict when the person has no desire to follow Jesus. Watch this. Um if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church and if they refuse to listen even to the church, like they still refuse to listen to what God says even leadership of the church. Treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. You've got to change your mind. You've got to stop looking at them as someone who's trying to please God because they're not. And if you keep trying to bring reconciliation with a non-believer or someone who's a, a rebellious Christian the same way you would treat someone who's trying to please Jesus, you're going to be frustrated because the priorities are not the same. So once the person is clearly demonstrating that they're not interested in pleasing Jesus and finding reconciliation, then you've got to change the way you treat them. You've got to see them as a pagan or tax collector. Now, interestingly, you're gonna sh- you're actually gonna show them, watch this, you're probably gonna show them more grace. <laughs> you're gonna show them more grace because you don't expect unsaved people to act like saved people. Come on a big disappointment in life is when we expect unsaved people to act and behave and have the priorities as saved people. We have to lower our expectation. Sometimes we, even with our kids and family members like, why don't they doing that? Well, they don't love Jesus. Why are we expecting people that don't love Jesus to act like they love Jesus? They don't. <laughs> and so I have to change my expectation. Is it disappointing? Is it discouraging? Do I wish they love Jesus? Yes, but I have to look at it honestly. And so I have to say, no. What well, this person honestly is a pagan, doesn't love Jesus. So I have to ch- lower my expectation. I have to show them. I have to show them more grace, more tolerance. I don't have to like what they say, or, or or the decisions they make. But I have to change my perspective. I can't keep expecting them to act like a believer when they clearly that is not the priority of their lives. Truly, I tell you whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven so he's just saying you know as a as a people of god you you have the power to to reconcile these things to deal with these things again I t- again truly i tell you that if two of you agree about touching anything i'm just checking my time here Again, truly, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, some might be being talked about. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. It's a beautiful, beautiful emphasis there by Jesus on community. Where two or three are gathered, I'm in the midst of them. When two people are gathered in my name, when three people, half dozen, when 20,000, when groups of people are gathered in my name, I'm in the midst of them. Um, then Peter said to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? <laughs> Peter thought he's being generous. He thought he was being like extravagant here. Seven times. Do, do I have to do like maybe seven? I've seen your, uh, I've seen how gracious and kind you are, Lord, so I'm guessing we're going to go with seven, right? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And what is he saying? Stop counting. Stop counting. Now, forgiving someone is not trusting them. I say this every time, but you can forgive someone doesn't mean you trust them again. You're not required to keep trusting someone. You're required to forgive them, you're not required to trust them. So, here's the thing. If you have to keep forgiving them, you probably shouldn't be trusting them. (laughs) I'm just saying. Like, if you have to continually forgive someone for something, you probably shouldn't be trusting them because they're continually breaking trust. So, yes, you have to forgive. No, you do not have to trust. Now, I think it's, not, I think it's right to give people the benefit of the doubt, but early on, uh, give people the benefit of the doubt early on. But over time, if they continually break trust, you're not required to trust them. I'm going to forgive you, but I'm not going to trust you again. You're going to have to earn that back. You don't have to earn your forgiveness. Jesus gave me gave us forgiveness free of charge. So I'm I'm going to forgive you because that's what I'm called to do. But I'm not going to trust you. You're going to have to earn that back. Uh, a lot of times abusive people, people who take advantage of others, that they they work that um and they don't draw that distinction and they they try to guilt people into trusting them again. It's like, no, I don't have to trust you again. Nope. I can be a good standing Christian and not trust you. <laughs> I can love you. I pray the best for you. I want I want favor and goodness and grace in your life. But trust you, nope. Not as far as I can throw you. Love you. I'm going to pray for you. God bless you. Trust you. Nope. Um, but for keep forgiving. Therefore, kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted, a, who wanted to settle accounts with servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all that he uh, had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him being patient, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. All right, so you got a guy who owes uh, the king a lot and um, can't pay the debt, but he begs for forgiveness, and the owner forgives him, took pity on him. But when that servant, the one who'd been forgiven the big debt, went out, he found out he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 silver coins, a much less, a, 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 a much a lesser amount. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me, said the same thing he said to, the, to his master, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had that man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Little snitches, <laughs> no, but they saw they saw an injustice. They saw this isn't right. This guy's been forgiven all these uh, all this money by his master, and now this guy owed him a little bit and he refuses to forgive him. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, you little rascal. He probably said some other stuff too. We're called to forgive. How many times? 70 times seven. I mean, just keep forgiving. You don't got to trust them, but you got to forgive. You got to forgive because Christ, because God in Christ forgave us. Aren't you glad? Yeah, man. All right, you guys, thanks so much for being on today, this Monday edition of the podcast. Hey, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace, um, for your love. Thank you for forgiving our great debt, a debt we could not pay the debt of our sin and rebellion against you, and you graciously, freely paid it all. And so God, help us to um, be people who are quick to forgive, to quick to uh, release people and to bless them. God, help us to be ambassadors of your kindness and grace. Help us to have the faith of little children and to, uh, and to lead others towards you to, to, and to never be a hindrance. In others' path to you. God, I pray your blessing upon my friends today. Pray you would encourage them and strengthen them. Shine your grace upon them, Lord. Show them your love. Show them your peace. Show them your power. I ask in the strong and beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for sharing this on your feed. Thank you for subscribing, leaving a comment, feedback. Appreciate all that Um, for liking all those good things. Really appreciate all that. All, All the interaction is awesome. We'll be back at it tomorrow as we jump into Mark chapter nine, as we continue our journey through the New Testament. You guys are the best. You know that. Love you guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show.